So you've got a podcast or an idea for a podcast or no ideas yet, but you want to start a podcast. Whatever stage you're at, G Media Solutions is here to help you take your podcast to the next level. We are a podcast production company based in Atlanta that specializes in audio recording, video live streaming, and all the elements you need to make your podcast thrive. To fulfill your podcast needs, contact us on Facebook and or Instagram at G Media ATL. Before the start of this episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast that I am producing for my friend Aisha. It's called the Botanica Podcast. I wonder what she thinks of that pronunciation. But anyway, <laughs> uh, here's a trailer for the podcast. You can subscribe to it uh, anywhere you get your podcast, just like ours. Here it is. Oh, Welcome to the Botanica Podcast. This is your host, Aisha. Listen in as we discuss topics like love, health, sex, relationships, and even alternative medicine. We stream live every Sunday at 8 on Facebook. Listen to the Botanica Podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to stop by our Botanica every Sunday. We have a lot to share. There's another podcast I want to tell you guys about. It's called The Barber and the Bartender. There's a barber, there's a bartender, and they talk about pop culture, sports, music. And of course, because one of them's a bartender, there's going to be a drink of the day and he'll give you a little history on different libations. So uh, tune into The Barber and the Bartender on Spotify, Apple Podcast. They're on Facebook. Here's the trailer for their podcast. Come to my chair, you catch a bait or get a taste. This shit gonna hurt tomorrow. Mm-mm. But it tastes good today. It's gonna hurt right now. I'm at the bar mixing up drinks and conversation. Yeah, no, I'm just a part-time dirtbag. Don't do that. You're a superstar. Yeah, we the ones you talk to and we your favorite. I'm a barber. You know what I'm saying? Niggas, there, niggas put a goddamn permanent hair, I know. You know what I'm saying? Just said I, that's I, my I, hero. You gonna hurt the First of all, niggas that have nappy hair, put permanent <laughs> hair, have baby hair. It's the barber and the bartender, the best podcast in the nation. Hey, Hello and welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. And we're doing a throwback episode for this week. We're going all the way back to 2016, <laughs> our first year of doing the podcast. And this was episode 15, Never Mind the Impact, in which we had uh, Matt G, who was just on our episode about John Mayer's Continuum. But on this episode, we talk about Nirvana's Nevermind album and how it was a turn in pop music as it was the album that dethroned Michael Jackson, you know, so you don't think about that in terms of a rock band that doesn't look like the hair metal bands of the previous few years at the time. And you have the biggest pop star in the world uh, that has the number one album at the time. And you have this band from Seattle who had, you know, a following. They had some popularity, but for them to kind of become this uh, juggernaut of a band because of this album uh, was very interesting to us. So we had a conversation about that and we hope you enjoy this throwback episode and we will be back with a new episode very, very soon. Peace. The album we are going to talk about on this episode is from 1991 and I believe it's one of the landmark albums as far as pop music goes it's not a pop album but as far as how pop music is viewed and how people with other sounds can come into the picture you know I mean this was an album that knocked Michael Jackson's album off the number one spot Mm -hmm. and that was pretty remarkable at the time considering the stature of Michael Jackson at the time. Mm-hmm. And of course we were talking about Nirvana's Nevermind. <clears throat> uh, it came out in 1991. It was their second full-length album. It was 
um, uh, produced three successful singles. It has sold 10 million copies. It is certified diamond and it is certified. It is sold 24 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. And just uh, passed uh, in September, they're the 25th anniversary of the release uh, produced by Butch Vig as I know Ben is a fan of at least. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I like garbage. The band, you know, not the. No, he likes garbage. Not too. the refuse. Listen to that synchronicity cover. <laughs> Shade. Uh, one thing I didn't know in in reading about this album, this was the first one to feature Dave Grohl as mm-hmm. the drummer. He was not on their first album. It was Bleach the first one? Yeah, yeah. He was not on that one, but he was on this one, and uh, yeah. So, um, and kind of trying to find a, a topic for this episode and discussing an album, Ben, this was your suggestion. Yeah. So what, what stick, what's the first thing that sticks out to you about the album? <laughs> and I'm, all right. So I'm laughing because, um, it's the one thing, it's the first thing that sticks out for everybody, of course, which is, and I see look on Matt's face, smells like teen spirit. Um, am I up? Am I recording? Yeah. Okay, yeah. just making sure I didn't hear myself. Um, smells like Teen Spirit. Um, and then just like kind of listening to how like if you if you listen to it and not just the single, because I mean like you have Smells Like Teen Spirit, Come As You Are, Lithium, and In Bloom. Um, then you listen to the other singles that were um not the other singles, other songs that were really just kind of Okay, I was like, what are you doing? Okay, let's see. Um very first song on the album yeah like you can hear how a lot of those songs shape the rest of 90s alternative rock it's really interesting to listen to um and i don't know if, i can't remember like how because i know like it was recently remastered by butch vig so of course it sounds a lot more it sounds even cleaner than it probably did when it was recorded but like i was just saying to you before we came back um i don't remember liking his guitar tone as much as i do now and maybe that's because I've gotten a little bit older and a little bit more mature and more appreciative. But like listening to it, like I was listening to Breed this morning on the way to work, I was like, I don't remember like I don't remember liking it that much. Um, so that that kind of stood out to me. But like, yeah, just this album stood out to me. I was I'm a big fan of of the work that Butch Vig did on here. Um, whenever I would, I believe it was a pop pop up video had this song on there and they were just like kind of referring to maybe it wasn't pop-up video i was reading something that was talking about like just really analyzing um kurt cobain's vocals on here and like how he did this he did them in one take and how you could tell um if you're listening to him singing by the end of the song like you could hear he was getting hoarse because he's just screaming at the end i think that was in the food fighters documentary was it did i watch that with you i don't think so oh okay but that's i remember because they bring tapes back up Push big talking about it, right? Yes, yeah. I believe so. It was either that. If or... it's not that, I've seen what you're talking about. Okay, because I don't know if it was also on classic. Have they, did they do this on, on VH1 Classic as a classic album? I'm not sure. Okay, if they did. But yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like him. Just um, and then of course you know getting Butch Vig convincing him to double track his vocals. Um, and you know the remote yeah, singer doesn't want to double track. I've never heard of that before. I didn't know singers wouldn't do that. <laughs> I I, ha- I was trying to find out why because I read about that recently also, and the, the, uh, the only thing I found was that Butch Vig uh, convinced him to do it by saying, "Oh, John Lennon did it." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so full circle again. Yeah. But the I guess the biggest thing about it that stands out to me really was the change the changing over um like even i remember hearing about um oh god who is um i think it was the singer from warrant they did cherry pie right yeah yeah i remember him talking about like after that came out like after that album came out how like record companies wouldn't touch bands like them anymore oh yeah it it killed hair metal yeah like it they, killed it they wouldn't killed it dead yeah <laughs> <laughs> Like they just you were like yeah the, like they it. couldn't get calls back they couldn't get anything, um, and just like you know of course a part of you know the Seattle Four as they're kind of dubbed, 
um, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, and and, and Nirvana. Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nirvana really, I guess, in my opinion, maybe having the most influence over what um, modern rock would become over the next decade. It seemed. I think they still have uh, an influence today uh, because of because of the because of the term like i think what they how they sound now is is probably the the most mainstream sound today and they well like i previously mentioned they they killed a they killed a popular genre at the time and they now they now they're part of one of their own and i think it i don't know if if alternative rock was around if that term was around then or it started then or maybe a little before with you know certain bands that weren't uh, that didn't have the big hair and play arenas yeah. all over the world but I think they the reason why I say they changed the face of 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 popular music is because they just they came in with, with something else and it kind of related to a lot of a lot of young people who didn't feel like they fit in with what someone like Warrant is doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's almost like um, the, I think, I don't even necessarily think it was that they were the first to do it because they weren't. I think they were the first to make it stick um, because, I mean, there were, there were some alt bands before them. I'm trying to think of them off the top of my head um, and I'm drawing a blank now, but like they weren't necessarily the first to do it. I mean, they meet Maybe puppets I, yeah, I'm thinking of somebody like the the Pixies for some reason. Yeah, the Meat Puppets. I mean, I guess with the punk influences they had, maybe you could look at the Sex Pistols. I know he was heavily influenced by, um, God, not Husker Dude. What was that? I can't think of the band. Was it the Meat Puppets he, he was heavily influenced by? Mm-hmm. I know it was, there was another band, too, that I can't think of. I, I think the Pixies. Maybe it was the Pixies. He was heavily influenced Mud by. Mud Honey, yes. So yeah, there were bands before him that were doing it, but they they stuck. They didn't have the, I didn't feel like the bands that he was influenced by didn't have the pop sensibility that Nirvana mm, had, though. Exactly. That's what I'm looking for. I think in um, and reading about the writing of the album, he wanted to Kurt Cobain wanted to have like like use more pop friendly hooks as odd as that sounds because yeah. it still didn't seem pop friendly but it ended up coming off as being you know popular enough mm-hmm. um well matt I wanted to ask you what's the first thing that like um what's the first thing you notice ab- about the album or the f- or something that you realize f- by listening to it uh well it's different for me a little bit because I actually didn't even really give that album a listen until way later <laughs> in the 90s. But Come As You Are was the first song, I think one of the first songs I learned on guitar. So like that's all I ever think about when I think of Nirvana. I was like, ah, that was the first song I ever learned. And then it just kind of, you know. I'm... Nirvana's one of those bands for me. It's I like them for what they are. They don't stick with me like a lot of they do for a lot of people. Fair enough. Okay. Um, this is a. Uh, it was one of those albums for me that I, I knew the, the really the only song I knew was Smells Like Teen Spirit. And even though I didn't like I didn't listen to a lot of. Listen to their music and a lot of their friendship that I'm not doing like seeing MTV talk about the girls from VH1 talking about them. So there's a different different tone and sentiment, just a different vibe altogether with how that network talked about them. One thing that that's that stuck out to me since then is uh, how their music is used. And, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is an episode of Third Base in which there's an episode of song This is the show that they couldn't get the rights for all the songs because of all the music they used. Yeah. was about the it was a case about it was a case that was loosely based on the West Memphis three. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? I am not. Uh, it was uh, in West Memphis, Arkansas. There were three boys who were charged with killing either another boy or maybe been two other boys, but they were coerced into confessing and they went to prison, but there was no real evidence that they actually did it. And they were in jail for years. And then it was found that they didn't do it and they finally got released. But it took a really long time mm. for the conviction to be overturned. There are a lot of songs about them. And there are a lot of uh, TV episodes about <laughs> them and documentaries. Oh, wow. uh, but in that particular episode, um, there are actually a couple of episodes that were based around the kids being influenced. It was like with, with the kids being the main characters that were, they were influenced somehow by Kurt Cobain or they were, they were such, he was such an inspiration for them. Hmm. Uh, so it became a, uh, this was, this was the time where Kurt Cobain really became hmm. a symbol for a lot of people. Hmm. And, it turns out maybe it was something that he couldn't handle. If he really did commit suicide, some people think Courtney did it. And I understand, but, uh, um, you know, maybe his fame is something that he wasn't, I don't know if he wasn't prepared for it or he was still trying to come to grips with it, but he became a symbol for a lot of people when this album came out and it even like it was further enhanced when in utero came out. Yeah. I don't like today how, uh, well, you know, Dion, uh, Dion, my friend, Dion, you've met. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. She oh. has, <laughs> God, I don't know what you're about to say. <laughs> she has a, she has a shirt with Kirk Bay's face on it. Right. From Target. It was probably from Target. <laughs> and I think I asked her like, Oh, you, you like, you like Nirvana? Who? <laughs> The guy on your shirt. Do you even know who that is? Some white dude? Oh. Nice. Yeah. I like that answer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get that. Well, I don't get that exact answer at work, but yeah, they wear graphic tees with Nirvana on them, with Kiss, with all these bands, and they, no clue. That's frustrating. Did you say someone had a Van Halen shirt or yeah. ZZ Top? Yeah, some girl had a Van Halen shirt on there, and I was like, oh, sweet, you like Van Halen? Oh, I just bought this shirt. <laughs> And then the oh, same it probably wasn't war. bought. It. I don't think Dion bought it at at Target. It was probably Hot Topic. Yeah, a lot of them go to Spencer's or Hot Topic. Yeah, because she also wore the same chick also wore a Soundgarden Super Unknown shirt. I mean, I don't know. When the last time you checked the graphic tees at Target, I mean, all these bands have T shirts at Target. No, I've seen them. Yeah, yeah. I I blame Target. No, this particular Target. guy told me he got it from <laughs> he got it from um, Hot Topic. He had a um, quarter T um, Nirvana shirt. He knew who they were. So I was like, all right, you cool, you cool. The only band I see at, at Target right now, maybe because it's that particular Target, are Red Hot Chili Peppers and yeah, they Pink always Floyd. Have and Pink Floyd always has one. It's a terrible, Pink Floyd terrible shirt. band. I like Pink Floyd. <laughs> More garbage than Ben likes. Hey, now. <laughs> see, that's the thing, though. That's garbage that a lot of people like. I know, I know. I am um, one of the few, but I just can't stand them. There, I, there, there is a cold case episode that all the music is by Pink Floyd. <laughs> he won't watch that one probably. I, no, I won't. Um, so I guess interesting that you all talked about like I guess your first interactions with it, and I just thought about like my first interaction with it. Of course, was most like Teen Spirit, but that was one of my first interactions with rock music. Period. Because I didn't like growing up. Of course, I didn't listen to a lot of. I listened to a lot of R and B and hip hop. Really, whatever my sister listened to, um, and then. You know, through the way of, I think it was the MTV Greatest Videos of All Time playlist that they did or whatever, back when they still showed music videos, they had Smells Like Teen Spirit at number one. And that was the first time. Number one for like 20 years in a row. Yeah. I'd never heard it before. And so that was kind of my um, introduction to it. And I wanted to, it actually kind of inspired me to want to play guitar, to be honest. I want to ask you guys this Um, the music video for Smells Like Teen Spirit. 
For a lot of people, that is their introduction to Nirvana. It's through the music video. Yeah. What what impact do you what what do you what do you get from it? It's a performance. Uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a I call it the performance video where it's the band playing their instruments yeah. in some setting. If mm-hmm. they're playing their instruments, it's a performance video. But the setting for this really hadn't seen before. It was basically like the saddest pep rally of it all was like time. Jim from hell. Like, <laughs> yeah. The pep rally from hell. Or you know, it, or I, I I saw it as the the saddest pep rally ever. I, like, what do you what do you get from it? I can't think of it without thinking of the Weird Al yeah. video. So I just every time I think of it, all I see is Weird Al's face with marbles falling out of his mouth. So it's tough, but like the I don't know, the video was just to me. All it was is just the video fit the song. It was very grungy. It was very rebellious. It was you mm-hmm. know. That's kind of how it's it came off to me. It was just good representation of teenagers that were tired of day to day shit. Yeah, <laughs> kind of singing a song smelt uh, named after deodorant. Yeah, so uh, I was trying to see if they were sued for that. I don't think they were. Yeah, they probably didn't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the it was filmed on a soundstage in Culver City, it says, and it's a it's a pep rally, and the cheer cheerleaders wear black, uh, with the anarchist symbol. See that I didn't know. I never noticed that. Um, is uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know that I ever paid attention to it either. But are the cheerleaders the first people you see in the video? I believe so. They're like kind of doing their little rah rah yeah. thing. And it's some music. I don't know if it's at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Or it's someplace like that. The shirt that Cobain wore is on display. Really? That's pretty cool. Somewhere. Excuse me. Uh, oh. <laughs> and there are a lot of, it got a lot of accolades, of course. This particular song, uh, MTV named it. It was number three on their 100 greatest videos ever made. It wasn't number, number one. one. Was Thriller? Uh, it was probably Thriller. I'm I'm could look at whatever the source is, but it's probably Thriller. Uh, yes, it is. Okay. Number two is Vogue by Madonna. What? All right, never. I don't want to get off topic, but yeah, that's weird. But okay. Um, <laughs> okay, well, let's just look at what it was number one for. These are some uh, publications I've never even everything you could imagine. <laughs> Uh, Triple J, I don't know what that is, but they Australian. It was number one hottest one hundred of all time, number one on whatever list that is. Um, number one for okay for Triple J, I don't know what Triple J is. Uh, Kerrang, I don't know what Kerrang is, but that's, it was number uh, one for their greatest rock tracks ever. I think that's Australian too, actually, and the greatest singles of all time. VH1 named it the number one song of the past 25 years, but that's between 1978 and 2003. Um, VH1, okay, I already saw that one. VH1 named it the number one greatest song of the 90s. Yep, not surprised. And what does NME stand for again? New Music Express. New Music Express. Number one on their list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. You know what? Jeez. I'm surprised they didn't give it to a Radiohead song. Enemy loves some Radiohead. They're not dead yet. <laughs> Speaking of that, as soon as they hopefully they don't get too morbid here. But do you think the um like we were all pretty young when the album first came out? But do you think that too much is made of the album or of Kurt Cobain because he's dead? I know the answer. <laughs> I know his answer. Be honest. Yeah, I do. Give us your honest answer. I do. I, it's, I mean, I can't discredit them for what they did, the impact they had, the influence they have. Like, there's no doubt in my mind about that. But because he died, he never had the chance to fall. Mm. So everyone just remembers him being great. And that's all anyone will ever remember. What's crazy about it? It's like they, they made three albums, right? Was, was it just three? I think Inuto was the last one, yeah. Yeah. Just three. Um, 
the one that was just called Nirvana, it was mainly a greatest hits, but there was one unreleased song on there. Oh, and I love. Was that, that the one song. that came out after he died, though? Yeah, you know the, you're uh, right. You know yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which is my okay. favorite song by them. Um, yeah, they made this was they made three albums: Bleach, Nevermind, and In the Utero. Mm-hmm. Um, I I personally love the Unplugged album. That's yeah. really good. Um. Because it was shortly after they recorded that that he yeah. died, right? I think that was his last television appearance. Yeah. So, um, you think it's over... You, okay, so you think their legacy is overstated. <laughs> they are in the Rock and Roll of Fame. I mean, um, deservedly, yeah. It's just... it's. I guess more or less, I'm, I'm basing it off of all of those stupid, like, video, song, top 100, top 500, whatever, mm-hmm. list that always went on back when... MTV and VH1 played videos. Yeah. They were always, at least in the top three, if not number one. And it was just annoying that you always knew what it was going to be. It was like, why bother with the list if you're always going to give it to the, the 90s, same people? If the greatest songs of the 90s, even if they, it was the 100 greatest songs. And I, I think I, yeah, I probably did watch that because I've seen all of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah. Even when I started watching the first episode, start with number 100, thinking, what would be number one? And I couldn't think of anything that would be, that would get, oh, that would be ranked higher than Smells Like Teen In Spirit. my mind, though, I don't think it, anything else got the chance. I think because of when it all happened and how much it lived on, mm-hmm. it it always overshadowed everything. Like I, that, that was my opinion It's just because of what happened and the, the height of their popularity of when it happened and all that stuff, like no one could outgrow that shadow. No other, no other act. Not at least in the nineties. Like, cause it was still fresh in everyone's mind. Like everyone was still high on that. Like I, I possibly you, but as far as like you brought up the Seattle four, mm-hmm. right. Uh, I don't know if any of the other acts are in the Hall of Fame. Soundgarden, I think or Pearl, Jam, Pearl Jam. Jam. I think they're up this Pearl year just to get in get, there. Yeah, or if they or might have. Just they, I thought they actually already got in. And Allison Chains. Um, I thought you were going to say uh, Stone Temple Pilots, but I don't. I don't no, know they're if they're not. from Seattle. Mm-mm. They were no, just kind San of, Diego. Yeah, okay. they were just um, around at the time. Although I will say, Allison Chains might be the one band that disproves everything I just said about people being dead. I don't think they got the recognition. That like pro or uh, Nirvana ever did? Who um, Allison Chains? Yeah, no, I, I don't. It's, it seemed yeah. that they were bigger with metalheads. Really, I mean, it makes sense. They yeah. were not very grungy, yeah. essentially. I don't. But, I don't think their songs were as they weren't like the pop friendly, and I no, use no. that as loose as possible in yeah. regards to Nirvana. But their songs weren't as pop friendly, even though. Uh, they were very melodic. They used harmonies, oh, yes. yeah. and that's that's something that that wasn't being done in rock music. I don't feel like not not yeah. with them at least not not at with a lot of the stuff that came out that time. And Pearl Jam's they just got nominated. This is their first year of eligibility. Oh, okay, okay. yeah. Um, which I mean, as I as I might say, just to, to get off topic, just slightly here, I still think of those four bands, they were by far the most talented, in my opinion, at least. Allison Chains or Nirvana? Um, Pearl Jam. Oh. Really? I think they're the most talented, yeah. Like, man for man, musician for musician. Oh, I would have given that to now, Allison Chains. Really? Yeah. Well, probably a uh, <laughs> a conversation not a lot of people have, like, okay, in the 80s, a lot of people talk about, okay, Michael Jackson or Prince. I don't know if there was a lot of Nirvana or Pearl Jam. <laughs> and then someone comes in with Allison Chains. <laughs> um, That's like coming in with Billy Ocean. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Or there's this uh, podcast I I listened to where um, the uh, his this guy he said when him and his friends when they were younger they talk about who's the best point guard in the NBA Magic Johnson or Isaiah Thomas <laughs> and then someone would come in with Fat Lever like who what uh, I don't think Allison Chase is Fat Lever but <laughs> <laughs> I mean if if there was a third band to come in Allison Chains is definitely uh could could be part of the conversation. Yeah. Um but someone's gonna come if it's this this number one or number two, someone's gonna come in with three and it 
they really don't yeah. really don't match. Yeah. Um, another uh, besides the, I guess the the big songs are you know you can look at the most plays on Spotify as far as Nirvana goes, and it smells like Teen Spirit number one, mm-hmm. Come as You Are number two. Uh, what song on the album kind of sticks out to you, or what do you think is? Uh, well, what do you think is their best song on the album? Ooh, the one that sticks out to be the most is "Breed." I really like that one. I think it's the third or fourth track. Let me check the track listing again. Um, very aggressive song. Um, yeah, I really like "Breed." <laughs> intros man you can't have these long intros yeah you'll listen you have to listen to it to find out um, <laughs> so um yeah what was the last question i asked 
Well, no, just um, really just songs other than the, I would, or at least the way I got it, songs other than the main singles that stood out. So, like, Breed was Polly. Polly was a single, wasn't it? Or was it not? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, the Polly was a official single. singles uh, were songs like T Spirit, Come As You Are, Lithium, and In Bloom. Okay. I know In Bloom was a single because of the the funny uh, video. video. <laughs> I just watched it today and saw that Dave Rowe was wearing a blonde wig <laughs> with the most the biggest grin on it. It was just bizarre. It's a bizarre video. It is. They start off in suits and then they end up in dresses. Yeah. But it's also that um I don't know if anybody else was doing it at the time, but there are quite a few videos in which, hey, let's make it seem like they're playing on American Bandstand or Soul Train or Top of the Pops. And it's all these teen girls screaming and going crazy, and the band itself isn't wouldn't really fit in with mm-hmm. that thing. So it's a fish out of water type of thing. Indeed. But um, did I ask if there was a song that kind of stuck out to you? No, there. Um, other than the singles, there weren't. I didn't because, like I said, I wasn't really huge into them, so I never gave the entire album an actual listen. Um, okay. But I remember, like, Polly was popular after the Unplugged. Mm-hmm. They played that all the time on the radio. Yeah. And then Drain You was on Guitar oh, Hero yeah, you, or yes. Rock Band. I can't remember which. The one that stuck out to me is what we started the show with um, on a plane because uh, of the Unplugged album. <laughs> uh, I probably listened more to the Unplugged, uh, Nirvana's uh, Unplugged album than, than Nevermind. But uh, I still like how it was stripped down, and I, you know, I'd like I liked how it sounded, and and then hearing this version, oh, it's okay. But I'm so <laughs> used to the other version, yeah. Um, I uh, I just enjoy it a little bit more. Um, Territorial pissing is kind of funny. The beginning. <laughs> Okay. No, it's, I want it's, you it's, to talk more about it. Well, no, play it, play it. You'll hear. It's, okay. I can't explain it. It's, it's like if that's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, I have to go back in time. <laughs> yes, Huey Lewis, back in time. Back in time. <laughs> you know, I never realized he was in Back to the Future. Yeah, as the uh, the judge for the yeah for show the talent auditions. show. You're just too loud. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know who this. I was like, I wonder who this is singing it. For some reason, I imagined um, Dave Grohl doing it, but I know it's not him. I just recently made a Nirvana covers for this. Are there any good metal ones on there? <laughs> Tori Amos did a pretty decent cover once of Smells Like Teen Spirit on piano. Uh, also, Scarlet and Colossi Brothers. I think that's how it's called Lost to Me. I don't know, because Colossi is like a poop bag, isn't it? Yeah. Have you seen Social Network? Yeah. This is going to be in a trailer soon. <laughs> this is Probably. What I mean, that, that's the trend now. Take 80s and 90s songs, slow it down as much as possible, make yeah. it sound a little creepy. Mm hmm. I think I've, you played this for me once, I believe. Yeah. yeah this is gonna be in a movie. And this is gonna be a war. It's gonna be a war scene. See, I can see war scene or oh, it's a, a really terrible horror movie. A horror. Oh, I can see that too. Children walking down the hallway. Oh. That could be pretty good. Now I want to watch a scary movie. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it'll be in a movie about the Gulf War. <laughs> That, that's, oh, that's it fits the, the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been great for Jarhead. 
That movie was not what I expected. I still haven't seen it. Jarhead. Yeah. yeah. Don't they have like five sequels now without him? Yeah, it was all like straight all low to budget DVD or video. Because they can. I guess can they? Why? Why are there four SWAT. Sharknados? What? SWAT. You can't mess SWAT. with a classic, man. Why would they make? <laughs> Kind of like the SWAT with like Sam Jackson and yeah, Colin Farrell. Yeah. They made another one. Yeah. <laughs> Who is anybody in it? I bet the first one. I, said, I bet Michelle Rodriguez. She needs to work. No nah, man, she had all the, She's got all this Fast and Furious. She got Fast and Furious money now. She doesn't need to do that. <laughs> all right. I bet they got and the guy who played the French criminal. He's the money. <laughs> he came back. I'll break out of prison again. <laughs> um. Actually, I could play this. This is um, this is a, a jazzy version of. Wait, is all apology all apologies on in utero? Doesn't Never mind. Utero, yeah, doesn't count. I still kind of want to hear uh, it. Okay, well, there is a cover of Polly oh, by uh-huh. Finger Eleven. Oh no! Finger Eleven cover Polly. Oh no! Polly wants a crack. Oh, not bad. Sounds For a second, like I heard well, rocking the pure world, man. I think she wants some water. Oh, Super actually, here's what's gonna get. When's it gonna get finger eleven, though? <laughs> Let's see. I mean, so far it sounds like just a copy for copy. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't. But I don't know. They've had a varied sound over there. To please myself. Got some road. Sure. Yeah, like, the I promise you. Wish I was it was called the first single they had that was a big single. Was like the Timpanies or whatever. Yeah. And then they had Paralyzer. Yeah, those two are not even close to the same band. And then I heard another song by them that sounded like a tool song. <laughs> called Sick of It All. Like it had like the same rhythm that Sober had. I'm like, these guys are all crazy. <laughs> Here's another uh Another cover from of a Nevermind song. This is uh, Lithium. I'll let y'all guess who the band is. The Buggles? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. I'm so happy because today I found oh, my friends. Yes. They're in my head. <laughs> I'm so ugly. Why? That's okay, cause oh, so are Why not? They really tried to make this a really Sunday super morning. happy song. It's every day for all I care. Like, I'm not scared. This winter, PBS presents Polyphonic Spring. Nirvana the musical. <laughs> That'll happen. You know it will. Has it already? Has <laughs> it? Surprised? I don't know. Uh, it's probably being developed uh, in London somewhere. Justin Bieber is Kurt Cobain. Oh, dear God. I could see that. I wouldn't that. be surprised. I could see that. They, need, they gotta sell tickets. <laughs> He's gonna have to learn to sing differently. Yeah. Okay, so what is, um, I guess we want to get to what's your, what's your final impression of, of, of Nevermind? Does it deserve the recognition that it gets? I feel like I know what Matt's answer might be, (laughs) 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 but, uh, I'll, I'll go to you first, Ben, like as far as the impact on how it changed, how people listen to music or, or, or who the, or, or anything yeah. as far as like what kind of impact did Nevermind have? Well, from recorded history, it had a huge impact. So I say that it deserves all of the accolades it gets um, from that standpoint, from the influence it had, from the way it sounded, um, it's unapologeticness and the whole, you know, everything about it. The only thing I, I wish is I wish I could have actually been around to experience it because 
Um, I have heard a couple of people, and I can't think of off the top of my head who, but I've heard a couple of people say that the impact was not as big at the time as it is now, as it seems now. Like it's not, it's not as big. It didn't seem as big then as it does now. Like looking back on it, hindsight being twenty twenty type thing. So I would like to know what it was like back then, experiencing it firsthand. But I do think that looking back on it, like I like the album. I like the songs on the album, um, and I it was. Like, you know, like I said, the song Smells Like Teen Spirit was hugely influential influential on me. Probably one of the first experiences I had with a rock song and was like, you know, when I got a guitar, it was the first song I wanted to learn. Um, and I was even one of those people who thought that Kurt Cobain was an amazing guitar player when I was younger in middle school before I started playing guitar. I was like, man, Kurt Cobain's really, really good. Um, but truth be told, I got a little bit older and realized that he was a better writer than he was a musician. Um and that Dave Grohl was probably the real musical talent, musician talent of the band as he went on to become, you know, the Foo Fighters and everything that kind of goes along with that. But I do think like looking back on it, I think it deserves everything it got, like whether that be hyped up or not. Like, I, yeah, I think so. Okay. What about you, Matt? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I do think they deserve all the recognition they got for being the influence they were like, there's no denying it. It's just goes back to, I just feel like everyone rode on there, but just people took everything they were and just, it stretched too long. I think they took it too far and overshadowed other bands. Like possibly could have been better, but they just, people were still stuck on that on the whole Nirvana thing. That was my only issue. Like, I don't think they were bad. I don't think they got credit that they didn't deserve. It's just, it went on too long. Do you mean in terms of like this particular album or just them in general, what they did kind of overshadowed anyone else who may, I'm I'm probably speaking in general terms of Nirvana themselves, maybe not the Mm -hmm. album. Um, I mean, either, either way. Yeah. So as far as, uh, as far as as far as like overshadowing like other acts like coming from that genre or just well I would say from that genre that's a big that's a huge band to try to compete with for one but then even after the fact like even if you were in that same genre but you know years after he passed away like you still probably got compared to them okay yeah all right i, I understand what it, you mean there. It, it does and that does happen yeah Pull probably still happens today yeah, Pull yeah. Of mud <laughs> got compared to them seether so, got compared to them like any you know. lead singer with stringy blonde hair exactly who yeah. plays guitar uh i think for me it's interesting to hear the this is the album or this is the moment where this kind of music was born or became popular. And it was at the same time, this other kind of music died. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it killed hair metal. Um, just like I'm trying to think of what music in the eighties really like got disco out of here. Uh, as hair far metal as probably. Yeah, it's probably hair metal or the synth pop to where if you could do everything on this one little thing, mm-hmm. one little keyboard, um, you don't need the 24 separate tracks of professional musicians. Yeah, it can be churned out very quickly, but this way, like, more, it's more accessible to people. Yeah. Uh, so I think, like, synth pop maybe have killed disco. Maybe. And then... Disco killed disco. <laughs> I like disco. Disco and cocaine killed each other. Uh, you know, and I think with and as popular as hair metal became in the late '80s, you know, it was kind of like it's one of those moments. Like, I don't know if you ever seen the movie "Why Do Fools Fall in Love" about Frankie Lyman. Long time ago, uh, he was in. A, it's a he's a doo wop artist. And, you know, he it was about his life and he may have been married three times like they were he's married to all of them at the same time, trying to figure out who's going to get control of his estate after Mm -hmm. he passed. But there's a moment where, you know, he was popular as a teenager. He goes to the army as an adult and he 
and then he tries to make a comeback and this it's the 60s it's the it's it's the mid 60s like we've already we already have we're in the midst of Beatlemania and uh Jimi Hendrix is popping up in certain places you know and he's a doo-wop artist still trying to do doo-wop which is from the 50s <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's like the Beatles killed doo-wop maybe rock or music Hendrix in killed it yeah. rock, <clears throat> rock and roll music killed doo-wop and so it's it was just a this is one of those moments where it's a changing of a change of the guard passing of the torch you know an era begins an era ends kind of uh, situation well, I don't so, even know if it'd be a changing of the guard because like to me or passing the torch excuse me because like I'm, hair metal didn't want to give up like well, it, uh, it's not, <laughs> well I mean passing of the torch I mean not that it was an option a forcible a forced passing of the torch yeah <laughs> uh, but it's it's one of those um, just to to think about and I, I'm kind of with you to where I wish I could have better uh I, you know, if I were around to experience it, you know, with a more mature mind or whatever, because I hear a lot about how remarkable it was for this album to be number one and to knock Michael Jackson's Dangerous off the top spot. Uh, because, you know, people flock to that album or listen to Michael Jackson. It's Michael Jackson. You know, he made Thriller. He made Bad. Oh, he's got something new now. Mm-hmm. You know, and then here comes really someone that seemed like they were out of left field. Yeah, they came out of from Seattle. Yeah. yeah. You know, playing this music that we don't understand. Um, we can't really see their faces. <laughs> and it's so funny, too, they don't because care about, they're not dancing. They don't I care about dangerous. being stars. Like when it came out and I was not aware of Nirvana at all at the time. I had Dangerous like when it was popular. But just like it was, it, they weren't really on my radar, you know. Like they were this huge, you know, phenomenon of music. Of course, granted, what, that was 91. So I was seven, maybe. I was born in, I was seven or eight, maybe, you know. So they weren't really on my radar. But I mean, then again, I was a little kid and knowing in my family, listen to rock music, knowing in my circle, listen to rock music. So like, you know, they were popular, but like how popular were they, you know? So, and that's why I wanted, like, I wish I could have really, you know, really been, you know, in the mind to really experience it and know what was going on and have the, um, the musical palette that I have now. Cause it's very different than it was back then. <laughs> 